Welcome to The Lowdown, KMXT's show dedicated to giving you the up-to-date information we have available on the COVID-19 outbreak and how it's impacting life on Kodiak Island. The Lowdown will focus on facts as provided to us by local and state officials. During this edition of the show, we give you access to local physicians and public health experts with information on COVID-19 and recommendations related to it. If you have a question for our guests, please email it to lowdown at kmxt.org or call KMXT at 486-3181. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for tuning in again. It is Wednesday. It's time for Doc of the Rock, April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day, remember that? That's when we first got a group of medical professionals together to come in and talk. <laughs> so, oh boy that's a lead-in yeah uh we started out with some doctors some administrators originally we thought this was going to be an every other week kind of thing remember we were going to have the administrators come in one week and we were going to have the doctors come in and this was all going to be kind of a uh, over fairly quickly uh well, that quickly, that quickly changed. We morphed that into, let's get rid of the administrators because really what the critical thing for the population is, they want to know from the medical perspective what's going on. Um, and we've kind of kept the administrators in the background for the time being, but that's still a critical part of, of what's going on in the community, and we hope to bring them back sometime. Uh, into the future, but we got this uh, amazing partnership between all of the organizations in town from Kodiak Community Health Center to Canada, Providence, to the Ambulatory Care Clinic, to Public Health, and you all stepped forward immediately and committed yourself, your, they, they committed their organization to allow you folks the time to come in and talk, but you all made time in your schedules to come in and communicate with the population. And I, I can't thank you enough for, for keeping the show going. You know, because I, I, originally we got questions every week from outside, from listeners. People were curious, people were fearful, people wanted to know. Um, we're getting a lot less questions these days, but I don't necessarily think that's because the questions aren't out there. There's people still who are very interested in listening to you talk on the program every week. And I see in you also a desire to keep coming in because you're learning as well and you you got good things to tell the community. So thanks very much for coming in. So as usual, we're, we're, we don't really see an end to this. Uh, of course, the pandemic is still going strong uh, and we're turning into the winter season, which has turned into kind of a nightmare in the lower 48 and worldwide. Uh, so if there's questions still out there, you are more than welcome to shoot us an email or give us a call and we'll try and get one of these folks to answer the question for you. And if not, we're just gonna go forward with the questions that I have and that they have because surprisingly they have probably as many questions as you may have this is the unknown so uh in the studio today dr steve smith from providence dr even jones from canna and dr shanna theobald from the kodiak ambulatory care clinic thanks guys really appreciate you coming in again today uh let's talk about the high school you know jump right into that Rhonda did a story about that broke story broke yesterday about the high school principal um, what can we learn from that situation? Well, I think um, at least reading, re reading uh, Larry Ledoux or Dr. Ledoux's letter and the principal's letter, that one of the things was they did it right. The principal had a contact with somebody who was positive, did the appropriate thing, and quarantined, did the social distancing. Um, they did some repeat testing, and interestingly, I believe it was like on day five when he even tested positive, which goes along with it takes a couple days to develop a viral load to even be detected or maybe um, communicable. But I think they did, it, it shows what if you do the right thing and 
quarantine, social distance, wear a mask, we can contain it. The biggest thing I think we need to assure the public is uh, this was, he didn't get it at high school. Yes. Uh, it wasn't from students who came to see him. And frankly, this is one of the times that we talk about, hey, you know, wear a mask, wash your hands, social distance, all those things. Frankly, everything was done right, and the person is a little, is a little mystified wh where they got it from, uh, the, the person he got it from. And it, it is one of those things that people will point out and say, hey, see, it doesn't really work. It does work. Um, it's just that some of these cases are tough. You, you, you can do all the right things and still get this disease. And that's why it's kind of scary, uh, because this person was pretty darn careful. Um, and, uh, wasn't going to big group gatherings or anything like that, but, but still got it. Um, be vigilant. It's one of those things where we have a lot of COVID fatigue because frankly, this reminds me of what my dad would talk, uh, talk about, uh, like basic training in the military where they said, okay, we're gonna do an eight mile run. And at the end of eight miles, they'd say one more mile. And so even though everybody had just run eight miles and uh, successfully done it, when they add on just an unexpected one more mile and push the goalpost a little farther, there's a lot of fatigue. And frankly, the medical community has p pushed the, the goalpost quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, where we say, hey, we, we want you wearing masks, social distancing, uh, so we can keep the hospitals empty. Well, locally, we've kept the, the hospitals very empty, but now we're kind of pushing towards, let's, let's keep going just a little longer until we get a vaccine. I, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's gonna take a while for that vaccine. Mm -hmm. If it comes out in March, which is kind of optimistic in, mind, in, in my mind, but if it comes out in March, it's going to take while, a while to spread it around to people uh, to just get it. And then there's going to be a large segment of the population who says, I'm not getting the vaccine. And so it's going to be a little ineffective at times because if you get the vaccine, it does not mean you're 100% uh, protected. Um, if we get a vaccine that's 50, 60% protective, that will be awesome in our minds. Um, uh, and so there is a lot of kind of goal fatigue at this point where people say, well, we did that and we're there and yet we're still supposed to be socially distancing and wearing masks. We're seeing the repercussions of this in Europe even today. Um, they're on the verge of shutting down. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you, I'm, I, I love stock markets and stuff like that. The, the stock market in Europe went down 5%, um, kind of counting on they're gonna be shutting down soon. And I look at our actions and social gatherings and wearing masks and doing those right things. We talked about it before, what we do in, in the bars, the restaurants, the churches, with big groups of people determine whether the school t stays open. I, I'll go even beyond that. What we do in the bars, restaurants, churches, big social gatherings determines if our economy stays mm -hmm. open. Nobody wants to shut down uh, the economy and I'm not sure that we will I, I, I'm not sure that America is a place of freedom and we'll do stupid things if we want to do stupid things um, <laughs> we're just talking about Steve and my love for blowing things up it's dumb but we like to see things explode it's dumb you, you have to give the listeners a little context for that. You just can't throw that out yeah. there. So we, like, we'll be guys in suits coming for us. <laughs> we, we found out that 4-H has lots of pumpkins left over, and so maybe we better put a plug in that uh, if you want to. These are our pumpkins. See, the 4-H couldn't do the pumpkin thing this year, so Cam XD got a hold of them. <laughs> so make a donation and pick up a pumpkin. <laughs> but I was talking about uh, cannons that shot pumpkins at the pumpkin patches in Lower 48 and I, how I like blowing things up and shooting things. And I'm not even a big gun person. I just like it. Well, then Steve upped at one, you know, Steve drops them out of airplanes. <laughs> I don't. They do that on the mainland. See, it's an Anchorage crowd, you know. But the point being, there is an importance to freedom in our society that I don't take lightly. Um, I, I don't like being told to do much of anything. 
Uh, but there is a responsibility with that freedom too mm -hmm. that we care for each other, that we look out for each other. And so I am a big proponent of wearing masks when some of my friends are think it's silly. Um, when I go to big social gatherings, I wear a mask even if no one else is wearing a mask. It's it's if I'm going to say it on air, I'm going to do it in person. Um, and so I I I am challenge everybody out there. If we want to keep the stores, restaurants open uh, to freely go back and forth, just wear a mask. It's not asking you to give uh, to do something radical. If we want people to be able to go to work every day, w wear a mask. If we want our kids to go to school every day, wear a mask. It's, there's very few things we can control with this. So far, this virus has somewhat controlled us. Let's do the things we can control. Oh yeah, no, I completely agree. I was thinking about how we have, you know, what, 4% of the world's population and a significant higher percentage of the world's death from COVID. I forget the exact percentage, but I mean, what we do matters. And I, yeah, I completely agree with Dr. Jones, everything that you said. We can make a difference in this and now is that time. And yes, we've changed it from a three month sprint to a marathon essentially what we're asking people to do but it is a COVID year we've talked about that and I think that's what we're in for and it doesn't matter political you know gender race who we are what country we are the virus behaves the same in yeah. humans as it does you know for, for its kind of viral um, scientific <laughs> character traits so that's just what we're dealing with and it is what it is. And the more th we're in it together, the better off we're going to be. Well, one follow-up to what you just you just alluded to there in terms of the virus and when it's anticipated, or the vaccine, and when it's anticipated to come. You know, at, with a death rate of what we're at right now, if the projections are correct, we're looking at 500, 600,000 deaths by Christmas yeah. in the United States. And if this vaccine's not available and we don't have better social practices, that could go up to, what, 800,000, 900,000 people by the time a vaccine is even available. So now NPR came out with a story this week that said, if we all use better mask practices, we would save 130,000 people by Christmas, wow. by February, I believe it was, um, which, it, it just kind of backs up your your statement you know that's how important it is to be able to not transmit this within the community um that's a lot of people it is and it, it's 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 in regards to the high school principal the the problem i think has been they keep changing the goalposts as far as what we're expected to do as well you know because he did the right thing and he got tested, um, but that's that's above and beyond, isn't it? What most people are are doing. I mean, now there's a question: Do you is there a need to get the test originally when you first come into town, or do you just have to wait? And then the question is, you know, how many days do you wait before you get the second test? As I understand it, he had maybe two or three tests before he turned out a positive test. And asymptomatic, yeah. which is, so yes, I would agree. I think he did, the, in that case, above and beyond, which um, I appreciate, but um, it's probably not practical to do that repeat testing. I mean, we, we do have a limit on the amount of tests we have. Um, that's, you know, I, I get asked all the time, well, why at the hospital aren't you testing every employee like every other week? Uh, physically, there are not enough tests to do that. We certainly, um, and we have an attestation that we, every day we log in and are you having symptoms and, and that. Um, and if anybody has any symptoms then those individuals first off don't come to work and then they get tested. But I think, you know, with the high school principal, I mean, he did trying to show um, that, I, I think what we get from this is hey, you know what, if you're around somebody, it might be several days before you have enough viral load even for a test to show up. So it was a good example of what 
we've been saying take several days to to have enough virus to to become positive so that's what i take from that besides um it was a very well done um scenario and like even said and shanna said I don't like wearing a mask any more than anybody else, but it is such a part of my daily life now that I go out to my garage to feed my dog, and I'm like, oh, <coughs> I forgot my mask. I mean, it's it has to be that common. Alaska does recommend testing asymptomatic contacts, while the lower 48 mm -hmm. just doesn't have the capacity, and the CDC, you know, said quarantine 7 to 14 days, and you don't need to test, just treat it like as if you have it. Dr. Zink said specifically in Alaska, we do want to keep testing the contacts. At what time? You know, the later the better. The more, the longer that person can quarantine before we use up a test, the better because that will kind of conserve our resources. But I think it is great that at least so far, Alaska has had the resources and the capacity to be able to test those asymptomatic contacts. And I think that's what has helped Alaska kind of stay towards the top of the, the United States as far as our contact tracing, mitigating the spread, keeping our numbers fairly low, although at this point we are <laughs> almost on pace with the rest of the lower 48 as, as far as kind of our new surge with, you know, 500 cases, 300 plus 400, 500 cases a day now in the last few days. That's significant. For, we, before that it was 200 something cases per day. So over the weekend we've really seen that surge and, and now is, we've got to flatten the curve again. <laughs> That's all that we have left. I mean, you've seen the village outside of Bethel. I want to say Chivac, but I'm not mm -hmm. sure if I'm saying it right. Yeah. They have 150 cases in their village that was asymptomatic spread. And th those are the cases that are going to end up filling up our ICU beds, filling up our hospital beds in Anchorage. And so we just have to keep on guard. So there, there is getting to be a point where Alaska's resources are, are at a critical point right now. If we keep on our current trend, yes. How is it that, you know, a, a community like, I mean, is it just random that, you know, one community gets devastated and another, I mean, we still feel relatively safe here, right? You know, we, we came up with a case or two here and now we're over 100, but we still feel like we've got it under control. Is that, do you feel like that? I, I think we have fairly good people in this town who are um, uh, the vast majority of people are trying to be a little bit thoughtful and careful we've relaxed definitely since last spring um but i do see people actually taking the quarantining fairly seriously when they come in mm -hmm. my poor i told you last time i was on my poor wife had to stay out in our apartment um, mm -hmm. when she came back <laughs> because <laughs> she i i just couldn't take a chance on getting sick myself and so she did you let her in yet Oh, uh, yeah. She, she, <laughs> now, now I'm out in the apartment. <laughs> the dog house. <laughs> now, she's, uh, she tested negative after a week, and I think that's the most important test, personally, mm -hmm. is just when, you, when you've been out and about quarantined for a week and you come back in and after one week test, get, get tested. And to me, that, if you do no other test, um, take the quarantine seriously mm -hmm. and uh, test after one week. Um, and that's, that's going to be a pretty darn accurate test if you brought it into town and it'll stop it right there. It, it'll be over with. Mm -hmm. Um, we're just impatient people though. We want to see our friends. We've been away. We want to see our family. Um, and it is, it's tough to wait that long, but it's, it's the most sensible thing to do. So in some of these small villages where people are very getting together in groups all the time and having social times all the time with very little care for mass or social distancing. Once one person brings it in, the whole community can get it in a matter of a week. And so it, it is, be careful if you're coming back. You, you'll, you have no idea if you have it or not. So one of the issues in Alaska hospitals, Alaska medical community is the infection rate that's coming out of the medical community, which is impacting the amount of people that are available to, to provide services to people. We haven't seen that in our community as of yet, but it, it becomes a problem for us if there is a problem here and we have to send people out, right? Well, anytime, I mean, we have a limited pool of healthcare providers and, and that, 
that is our big worry is that if any one of us <clears throat> is positive or becomes symptomatic, then not only have we taken that person out of the care core, you know, then we got to think about other people that may have been exposed uh, contact wise. But y it is our worry. I know in the ER we have five of us who um, cover those 24 hour shifts, and it's like, you know, we can maybe get some help from Anchorage. The nursing, we're a little bit better off. Um, Anchorage can help us out, but they're kind of in a critical deal as well um, if they get too many health care providers. So we, we definitely worry about that. And, and I think in addition to wearing masks in the community to keep kids in school um, and prevent that spread, it's also um, if we can keep it out of the health care providers, then um, we're all there to, to take care of somebody who gets ill with whatever illness. We've had a couple of staff members that are on 14-day quarantine because of exposure to a yeah. positive case. Yeah. In fact, we had a preliminary positive yesterday, and you know, with keeping everything confidential, it was a travel-related case to Anchorage, and the person had a runny nose and a scratchy throat and was, you know, just decided to get tested just to make sure, and it was preliminary positive. We're waiting for confirmation from the send-out. But that goes to show, I mean, they did not think they had COVID. They're like, okay, fine, I'll get the test. And then um, because of that, our, one of our nursing staff members is out. And so it is that, you know, easy <laughs> to get it. And, yes, we've been, I think, pretty lucky in not having that happen, you know, to every travel-related case that goes to Anchorage, obviously. But Or, sorry, every person who travels to Anchorage. But you just don't know when it's going to be you or where you're going to pick it up from. And the more we do travel, move around, come into contact with more people, the more, you know, potential transfer points we're going to have and so yeah being very careful now with travel and of course over the holidays it's such a big travel time and i think you know this is a covid year and the more we can stay home and not travel and not kind of pick it up and bring it back into our communities it's really important that's gonna but it's holiday time right? you know <laughs> but it, it's time for you know they, we've already got recommendations from national um, physicians and epidemiologists who are telling us it's a COVID year, don't do it. But mm -hmm. you have a lot of people and there's a lot of social pressure on us to go visit the family. How, how do you do that safely? I think changing the social dynamic to say let's keep each other safe and just we're all in this together. We're all going to kind of, you know, zoom into our family you know, if we have to travel outside of Kodiak to be well, you family. made a choice. You just said, "I'm not, I'm not going to do that." Yeah, you ethically, know? and and you know, getting on the air every week and talking about how important it is to keep Kodiak safe. I and also knowing Minnesota is really increasing in their rate. I just didn't want to travel and bring mm -hmm. it to potentially my family. My parents are elderly; they're in the high risk category, and then also back to Kodiak. Um, and I think the more that we do this together the better off we're going to be through this, especially winter. If we can get through the winter, I think, you know, that's going to be huge for making sure we really keep our case numbers down, our hospitalization rates down, and then that directly impacts the fatality rate. Well, isn't the scary thing about this, though, in regards to the high school principal, you know, that you, if, you be, if you exhibit the behaviors you're supposed to exhibit, and you do everything right, and you wash your hands, and you wear a mask, and you still get it, and you don't know where it came from. I mean, we went from it's on everything to it's in the air to, you know, you got to be in a six-foot diameter with somebody to now we still are back to there's a whole lot of different ways that we can get this. How can we behave safely? We, we've known from the beginning masks are not 100% effective, but they're pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. um, if they're 90% effective, that is far more uh, far more valuable than any vaccine we're going to come up with. Um, even if they're 70% effective, mm -hmm. that's far more valuable than any vaccine we're likely to come up with. And so that's where we keep coming up. But that means that they're 30% ineffective. Are you saying that even after we get a vaccine, we're going to have to wear a mask? 
I am hoping not. I am hoping that eventually we will get better at it where community spread can be nailed down. Somebody asked me this exact question yesterday. What does num next summer look like to you? And if I, delay, if I were to lay it out, um, cases are going to continue to go up through the winter. Uh, they're going to peak about February. The death rate is going to peak in March. And we're going to get the vaccine, and it's going to be a slow trickle down to the summer. And by summer, things are going to be starting to free up again, and people are going to uh, feel a little bit more relaxed in the summer. And we're going to have spots that pop up here and there where there's little explosions of it where in communities that were not well vaccinated or didn't get get much penetration of the illness to begin with it's probably going to still be recommended that we have masks next summer and don't have do huge gatherings but it is going to be significantly relaxed um i'm not sure disneyland is going to open even next summer because california has very strict laws but you can probably go to disney world um so it is <laughs> Florida doesn't care about anything. <laughs> uh, but it is going to it's going to be a slow trickle till one day we're going to kind of wake up and realize it's kind of over. But this one's this one is not like the bird flu and the swine flu and the other things like that. This is going to keep popping up over the next 10 years would be my guess. Yeah. Um, it's going to it's gonna change a little bit. Oh, we need to change our vaccine a little bit. And it is going to be more of get your, get your COVID shot this year. Um, and it may be a yearly thing that we're getting COVID shots, just like a flu shot. Um, we start looking at the immunology of it, and we see, we know there's waning antibodies after yeah. 90 days. We, we're not exactly sure what the other part of the immune system, our body, the way our body remembers diseases and says we're not doing that again is two different ways antibodies and t-cells and we're not sure how the t-cells react to this they probably have a better memory than our antibodies to this disease but how good it is i have no idea i, I don't know what it's going to be um the whole immunology thing is there's fascinating work coming out just in the past couple of weeks we've kind of touched on it in the past shows about how this disease works um and the long-term ramifications of it are how our immune response is to it. Um, but we, we've now found that about 50% of people who had serious illness have antibodies towards themselves. Um, and that we, they're starting to call it long COVID is what I'm hearing a lot of now. These mm -hmm. symptoms that go well mm -hmm. beyond the disease. And it's like lupus or any of the other autoimmune diseases. So what happens when... Um, a virus infects a cell often that cell frankly kind of pops open uh, for lack of a better word and now our body's looking at all this gunk that just popped open and kind of looking for the virus and saying what's going on and it's attaching to the you know the, the, the rna dna whatever well in that mix is our own dna in that mix is the dna of that cell and also proteins from that cell and suddenly our own immune system is looking at that cell trying to figure out, okay, what was the invading enemy here? And some confusion often happens with our immune system. And it says, oh, this is the bad thing when it's really part of the native cell that's supposed to be there. And you start developing autoimmune issues. Seriously ill people with COVID have been shown to have autoantibodies about 50% of the time. And on top of that, they have uh, a lot of them have what we call rheumatoid factor, positive rheumatoid factor. If you look at seriously, I don't know how they identified seriously ill, but they said seriously ill people with COVID, 70% of people of them either have autoimmune antibodies or RF positive, rheumatoid factor positive. That's huge, and that kind of explains this long COVID, that now we have our own immune system fighting against us. And that's why it makes sense to do steroids late in the disease to kind of, hey, immune system, good job, you're done. We're going to dampen you down a little bit now with dexamethasone or whatever. We're gonna, I don't know what we're using these days, but um, it's a way of kind of telling the immune system to take a break um, because now we're getting to the long COVID issues. And the biggest thing we look at is death statistics. Yeah, I'm, I'm a weirdo because death doesn't scare me that much. Um, 
having to take a break as I walk halfway to the bathroom when I'm trying to use the bathroom for the rest of my life, that's scary to me. Um, and there are people who are much younger than me who are in that boat right now. There are people much younger than me who need kidney transplants, lung transplants, heart transplants from this disease, and they don't show up in the deaths. That's why this disease is scary to me. Um, am I afraid of it myself? I'm careful. I'm not really afraid of it, so I don't mean to cause people fear. Just saying be careful. There's a reason for it beyond the statistics that say who died, who didn't. That was a cheery vision of yeah, the summer. So <laughs> I said it's going to be better by next summer. Come on. We're going to get better. It's going to be better next summer than it was this summer. So did you guys see that? I was just reading a study about vitamin D. And it kind of implicated that if people were low on their vitamin D levels, which everybody in Alaska is because it's the sun vitamin, those individuals who are lower seem to, if they got COVID, seem to have a little bit more severe disease. Oh, you right. must you must have missed my rant on that. I, I did that several <laughs> several okay. months ago. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, we talked about vitamin D, yeah. but it's it just kind of reinforced yep. that that there are some things we can do. Um, you know, don't go out and take mega doses of vitamin D. Probably, you know, a couple thousand units is sufficient per day. Um, don't do the whole bottle every day thinking if a little's good, a lot's better. But to try and not make it so glum or gloomy is, you know, we can do some things to try and keep this at bay. And, and I, we've said it again and again and again. Wear a mask, wash your hands, you know, <laughs> limit your contact with individuals um, as much as you can. Um, and that may not make it quite as gloomy. Um, one thing I worry about is whenever we do have a vaccine, I don't want people, this isn't I'm liberated from my mask day. You, you as even said, you're still gonna, we're gonna be wearing these masks for quite a while. Cause even if a vaccine is here tomorrow, by the time it's effective in the community and you get 60 or 70% of what we call herd immunity, where the, 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 at least over half of the population has some immunity to, in this case, coronavirus, we're still gonna be wearing the mask. So they're not gonna go away. Um, and it's flu season. Get your flu shot. So one of my one of my patients came in and they said, I, I don't really need a COVID test. I need a flu because man, my I ache all over and sore throat. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, they were COVID positive. Mm -hmm. They never came into the clinic because fortunately we we're like, let's do the COVID test mm -hmm. too, in addition to the flu test. Yeah. Very similar symptoms. She'd had the flu before and said, this is just like the flu. Uh, it's very hard to differentiate. But kind of building on Steve's things, I, I do want to be specific with it. I, I do recommend the dose of about, just so people don't take too much. Vitamin D can be toxic if taken too much. Um, my grandma always said, if one's good, two must be better. Not the case. <laughs> um, and so uh, I re recommend vitamin D and in 5,000 international units or 125 micrograms a day, that is way above the RDA, way above the recommended daily allowance because, and the reason I recommend that uh, is because we get virtually zero vitamin D here in Kodiak, even in the middle of summer. It's mm -hmm. terrible. Um, it is something we can do. And other things we've talked about, lose that, those extra few pounds. I mean, I'm, I'm overweight personally. I need to lose a few pounds because we're, we're, if you get this, it's like running a marathon. And the leaner you are, the more heart healthy you are, the better you're going to do with it. Um, there's a big outbreak at the Coast Guard base because these are young, healthy people. And they can walk around with no symptoms and spread it to a lot of people. Um, there's a reason that they, we haven't had serious illness out of the Coast Guard community because most of them are in great shape. Yeah, are there young people who are marathon runners who died from it? Yeah, I mean, that happens, but that's rare. Um, so I don't want you to hide in your house. I want you to get out and exercise each day. I want you to take some vitamin D. I want you to lose a few pounds. And those should be your goals. You can control these things. Get good sleep. 
<laughs> this was like a vir virtual doctor's appointment. This is great. <laughs> uh, under your projection, though, you're, we're really close. When, uh, months ago, I wa watched a special, and they were doing some projections on the possibility under worst-case scenario of us losing about a million eight Americans. Uh, you know, if under your dark summer prognosis, if if that continues to happen, <laughs> I though, said it was really gonna get better. <laughs> you said it's, eventually it's going to get better, but if we're still into mask territory, with you know some of the population not actually exhibiting good behaviors anyway, if we were all exhibiting great behaviors now, how is it that we have such a an incredible increase in numbers now you know I mean did we did we just get too tired of it and now we're looking at a spike that was inevitable or could we have controlled it um, I think a lot of our early cases were travel related and that does it brings in the virus that's yeah. just the nature of it but then also yeah it is asymptomatic so we don't know who has it and and uh, the more we travel, the more we intermingle, the more we're going to see our cases rise. And yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty, I mean, epidemiologists, you know, if you listen to Dr. Osterholm, he kind of lays it out very clearly how, what we're looking at, how this works from a, a virology perspective. And it is what it is, and we can control it. That's the good news. We can keep the numbers low. We've flattened the curve this whole time. And we can do that again. We just have to keep on, you know, just, I think we talked about this before, dig deep, find that, like, okay, I'm going to wear my mask. I'm going to keep avoiding those big so social circles. And it sucks and it's tiring, but that's the way we're going to keep our community safe with a virus. Yeah, it makes me think of those, all those pandemic movies, you know, where mm -hmm. the people have the full gear on and they're dealing with the virus in the glass container and somebody pricks their finger, you know. That's the kind of, I, 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 well, here's a question from one of our listeners. What's this herd immunity? What is herd immunity? How does that work? And what is the possibility we're going to die from this? So this virus is like a dude who's doing hit and runs. Um, most virus want you to stay alive for a while. I'm making it sound intelligent. It's not. It's just the way it works out. Most virus want that you to stay alive long enough to spread it to lots of other people, and that's how it, it, it becomes a popular virus to have, um, is by spreading to lots of people. This one's very interesting because really day zero through five of infection, most people exhibit no symptoms at all. You're probably at prime time for giving it away about day five. When you exhibit symptoms, um, the viral load is starting to probably start coming down. This is something I read yesterday, and it's probably going to change in two months. Um, the, it's probably going to start coming down once you start becoming symptomatic. So there's five days there where you can spread it with having zero symptoms, and then it moves on to the next person. If the next person is already immune, it can't move on to the next person. If the three people around the person who's sick are immune to it already, it can't move on to the next person. These ideas, it goes from person one, he spreads it to three people, those three people spread it to nine people, and it explodes from there. But if those three people are all immune, it stops right there. And so the idea of herd immunity is uh, that doesn't mean we're never going to have the disease because it's going to pop up and people are going to get sick. People are going to be getting sick a year from now, I guarantee. But the idea is that it is going to stop it from spreading very far because most people will be immune to it um, is our hope. Uh, we, we tend to think of herd immunity needing like a minimum in studies, a minimum of 30% penetration of herd immunity, most likely 50, 60%, and as high as 70% in order to have effective herd immunity. And so because of that, um, we, we gotta figure out a way to get people immune to it. Immunizations are one way. Some people have been have said, well, let's just let it run rampant, and that's the way we'll get herd immunity. Well, it's, 
Mm-hmm. When it's your grandma dying, it's mm-hmm. it's not as easy to say that. When it's your your friend who's 40 years old who's dying, it, it's not as easy to say it. Yep, I mean, the, I, I'm constantly looking at not what people are saying, but what is the message in what they're doing? Um, and if we do nothing, our message is we're okay sacrificing our sick and our elderly um, to this disease, so I don't have to be bothered wearing a mask. Um, that's what that's you may not be vo- vocalizing that, but through your actions, that's what you're saying loud and clear to me. And it's very judgmental what I'm saying right now, and I'm okay with that. Um, there's times where when we ask our kids to wear a mask six, six hours a day and I see adults who are unwilling to wear it for a couple hours, it, it drives me a little crazy. I hate them. I can't wait for the day that I can go to Safeway and not put on a mask. I hope it's very soon. Um, but just do it for a little, I'm pushing, I'm pushing the goalpost. Keep doing it for a little longer here. Uh, let, us get, let us get this under better control before you give up on it. You know, and, and one of the things that I worry about, and it has to do with, we just kind of painted this, man, we're stuck with this for a long time. And they saw it back in the Middle Ages when, when the bubonic plague was going through, that some groups and in, in towns just said, to heck with it. We're going to get it. No matter what we do, we're just going to let our guard down. And they did, you know. They didn't even try. And so I don't want people to go, man, it's inevitable that we're going to see a lot of this stuff. I don't want people to give up because this is, you know, apathy is probably just as dangerous in this disease. We've got to keep our guard up. We've got to keep going for that goalpost that even keeps moving just a little bit further away from (laughs) me. Yeah, herd immunity is when exactly the majority of the population is somewhat immune in some way, hopefully from a vaccine. Herd immunity as a strategy, just let it run through. That is when we are going to see the highest morbidity, the highest mortality, and it's going to be devastating. Um, Deaths from, the percentage of deaths from hospitalized patients in early spring was 25%. In other words, one out of four people who got hospitalized for COVID would die. That is now down to 4%, which is excellent. But if we herd immunity as a strategy of just let the virus run through the population, that morbidi- that fatality rate, and then of course the morbidity rate, which is the illness that people will kind of have after from, you know, the prolonged illness from COVID that they've survived, but they're still having significant symptoms, that's gonna be much higher as well. So when we hear about herd immunity as a strategy, you know, Dr. Osaholm addresses this really well in his most recent podcast, that is where we're going to see the most, you know, devastating tragedies in our population. And it's not ethical. It's not acceptable mm-hmm. to have that run through the community. And it's going to be your grandma. It's, you know, when, it's, when it starts affecting you and your family members, it's a totally different case. He told a great story about um, one of the first patients related to Sturgis who died from COVID-19 and how, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, well, he deserves it because he went to Sturgis and we knew the risks. But his daughter, I think it was his daughter or niece, wrote a um, beautiful kind of story that she submitted to the Osterholm podcast. And it was saying he was an incredible person and, you know, he was so loved by his family. And now the family is, you know, realizing this is so important. And I think that's kind of another, you know, keeping those stories in mind when we decide to kind of make those sacrifices and avoid the risks that is going to be so much more kind of loving and make sure our family stays safe through all of this rather than just saying, you know, heck with it, we're all gonna, eventually we're all gonna have to get it and that's how we're gonna reach herd immunity. So I don't know if that, kind of keeping that in mind is helpful. Well, what population of our percentage in in the United States has actually been exposed to it already? I mean, 10%? seven, eight, maybe some communities up to 10%, even 20%. But even in New York. Yeah, those are in communities, though. I mean, I mean, overall in the whole population, if we're talking about herd immunity, if we already have 225,000 people dead and we only have 10% of the population infected, 
don't you kind of say, well, to get to the 50 to or to 70 percent, that the death rate kind of trails along with it, and that's where we see this astronomical number? That's exactly right. We still have around 90 percent of the population that is kindling, and in Kodiak, that's yeah. exactly our case. Kindling, right now. we're kindling. <laughs> yes. Um, what what is you know what is the possibility? So now that you, if the numbers have gone down for hospitalization, it, there is this perception from a lot of the population that it's not that dangerous because um, I'm not going to die from it. That's because we've kept. I mean, the fatality mm -hmm. rate going down is because we have done all of these mitigation efforts because mm -hmm. we have, you know, worn our masks, washed our hands, kept our distance, flattened the curve. And, and that's where, you know, we're doing that for months now, and people, it's leading to pandemic fatigue. But that is the reason why the hospitalization rate and fatality rate has stayed low this, this time. And now that we're kind of relaxing, loosening up, yeah, bars are right. opening back up, restaurants are opening, we're seeing the numbers rebound, and that's exactly what is expected from a virology, epidemiology standpoint. I think there's a perception on the part of the public, though, that eventually if you give the science community, the medical community a problem, that you're eventually going to solve it. So now the death rate is going down because there's all these new treatments out there, and even if you get it, we can fix you before you die. Our treatments stink. <laughs> Just being yeah. honest, we our, wish we could. our treatments <laughs> yeah. are awful. And I had a friend who got it in California, and they stay, still gave him hydroxychloroquine. Not, not been shown to be effective. He was hospitalized and given this, which is surprising to me. He was given remdesivir, n maybe a little effective. Mm -hmm. um, the, and the, really, the, the biggest, most effective thing we have is giving steroids late in the disease. And that's not curing it by any means. That's mitigating the symptoms of mm -hmm. the disease. Um, yeah, we, we've had poor success in the medical field against viruses. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, viruses play a bigger part in our world, uh, this whole nother medical show, but viruses play a bigger part in our lives than we know. I am probably a large proportion of cancers are caused by virus. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we are... The big things that could be taken away from this is that we've really focused on vir viral studies a lot more over the past year, and there may be some good that comes out of this. I know it sounds crazy, but we may be able to prevent some cancers in the future because we know virus way better now than we did a year ago. Um, and so that's my hope coming from this, that there will be positive coming from it. So we've been presented with a problem, and the answer to the problem so far is exercise, wear a mask, mm -hmm. um, take vitamin D, uh, social distance. And that's all we have to offer right now. We're going to support you and give you oxygen and do those things that make it so that your body can fight it itself and it can heal itself. But we're going to provide your body an environment to that it can survive in. So let's go into maybe the anti-clonal Mo monoclonal know, antibodies. Monoclonal antibodies next week because we're coming to the close here, and you actually spurred a question from mm -hmm. a listener. Uh, I think Dr. Jones said when he goes to large social gatherings, he wears a mask even if other people there are not. His question is, what is a large social gathering where other people are not wearing masks? Or what large social gatherings are you attending, and and why is it worth the risk? Or of you going to them yeah so I do stay I usually stay distant from most of the people and I agree with you it is a good criticism of me um, because that mask does not protect me it protects other people and the, the listener is correct in, in calling me out in that um, saying it's probably not worth going Boy, to I'm sorry I, I, I didn't I didn't read that as a criticism I read it as a just a general question for other other people as well for you you know I mean we're all faced with that situation where we're we're making decisions about mm -hmm. what we're gonna do and what's safe um, and, and so look at it that way you know is it so it, it is one of those things where we're making choices constantly I try not to go to any social gatherings that I can't name every single person who's there 
Um, and there are social gatherings that I go to where I can name every single person there that I do not wear a mask. Um, these are my kind of close bubble of friends. Uh, it, does it increase my chance of getting it? Yeah, it does. Um, there are risks I'm willing to take when the numbers are low in Kodiak. When they start going up, I pull back a little bit more. Um, and so my behavior changes even uh, from the week-to-week numbers that I'm seeing come the positives that come out. My behavior changes. It was different when we are having uh, large numbers here in Kodiak. My behavior was different then than it is when we're having lower numbers of one, two, or three. And so I do change my behavior depending on what's going on in the community. I think that's a, it's typical of a lot of things that we tend to bend on. We, we bend on quarantine dates, you know? You talked about 14 days. We're, we went back and forth on whether seven days, 10 days, 14 days is appropriate day. Now we're in certain guidelines that it's five days, you know? Um, is that just a function of, of we become a little bit more brazen? I, I, you know, as if the numbers go down, we feel a little bit safer, and the, our, our feeling of safety is really what gets us in trouble. I think it's a combination of practicality and also, yeah, feeling like, oh, well, it's not that bad here, so maybe we can kind of relax our guidelines a little bit. But practically, I mean, if you have someone out for five days versus seven days versus 14 days, that's a big deal. Five days is the minimum amount of time where we really see that viral load spike and we can detect it on a test. And then it goes, you know, the longer, I think we talked about that curve, it basically continues to rise until about 14 days as far as number of, you know, true positive tests that will detect that there is a viral infection in a person. So the longer we can wait, the better, but uh, you know, a lot of it is just people need to get back to work or get you know, their kids back to school or whatever. So they are trying to kind of find the balance in that gray zone where they can kind of be practical and also make sure that they're trying to be safe. But it is, I mean, it would be ideal 14 days, but it's really hard to have some, everybody wait 14 days before they you know, released from their quarantine. The start of some really good discussions, uh, but, but the end of another show. Uh, I'm really fully anticipating seeing some pumpkins fly for <laughs> into <laughs> near Island. Woody Island would be a nice <laughs> drop zone, maybe. Woody Island would be great. There's lots of cows over there that would love to have oh, a pumpkin yeah. for Halloween or Thanksgiving. So, <laughs> oh, we, I'm so advised. <laughs> <laughs> Have a safe Halloween, all of you out there. Use your best common sense. And uh, again, if you see these folks on the street, thank them for coming in and for uh, talking with us about what's going on in our community and how to keep things safe. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Doc of the Rock. Thanks very much. Have a good day. Mm -hmm.